Well, I'm guessing if we took the time this morning, and I'll let you come up here and have a mic and, and share one of your craziest dreams that you've ever had. It could be a pretty interesting morning. It could probably be a lot of fun. You know, I bet you some of you have got some really funny dreams, scary dreams, some dreams that after you, you, you had it, you was like, what was that all about? You know, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever. And, uh, you know, this, I, I, I don't know if it's because, because I was, uh, you know, the title of this series or whatever, but this last week was like a dreaming week for me. It's like, uh, um, Monday night, I, I had this dream where I'm, I'm, I'm here at the building, and there were a lot of people here, so I'm guessing it, it must have been like a, a Sunday morning, and I'm, I'm talking with a group of people, and, and for some reason, I remember one of the staff, I, I was, ta- was in that group, it was John Houston, and I don't know, you know, what that means that John was in my dream, but, but we're all talking, and then all of a sudden, uh, I don't understand what anybody's saying. It just makes, it's just all mumble-jumble to me, and, and so I'm trying to communicate, and I'm, I'm saying, to, I don't understand you. I don't, I don't understand, you know, I repeated that, and then finally I, I can't believe, you know, what you dream, but I remember saying, maybe if you, if, if you give me a piece of paper, you know, maybe I could... You know, if you wrote out what you're saying, maybe I could understand what you're saying. And I said, I said, you know, when there's a lot of people around, I don't, know, wanna, I don't want everybody to know what's going on, so how about we go to my office? I mean, is that crazy or, or what? Well, then last night, I had this dream. I, and if you can help me understand the significance of this, if you want to come up and interpret it for me afterwards, you know, I'd be probably kind of good. But, but Becky and I, for some reason, are, are moving, and we're... We're not moving into a house. We're moving into an apartment. And, and what I remember about this apartment is it, out the backyard. It had a backyard with a fence. But it had all of these trees that were just planted very close together. There was like these kind of trees that, that don't have trunks really. You know, they're just tall and high and squashed together. And, and, and Becky, Becky said... Before we're gonna, before I, I even want to move into this place, all those trees have to come down because I can't see anything. It just blocks the view of everything. And, and, but it gets crazier. It had this fence around, and then inside the fence, so they were in our yard, were all of these buffalo. Okay, and it was like one buffalo. They were head, you know, head to back, just one buffalo after another. And I was told that before we could move into that place. I had to, each, these buffaloes had nails in them, and I had to remove all of the nails. I mean, like, and, and, and then, and I actually remember that I, I'm, I'm working on the first buffalo, and I had like two or three nails off, and I said to myself, I'm not doing this anymore. There's just no way I'm going to do this. And so then I was going to go back to get inside of the apartment again, and Becky had gone someplace or whatever, and the place was locked, so I couldn't get inside, and it had a high fence, so I woke up dreaming, how am I going to get out of this place with all those buffalo? I mean, it was just... So help me out with that if anybody wants. Someone came up after first service. They thought they knew what it meant, but I'm not, I don't think so. So, so, all right. So in this series, we're talking about an entirely different kind of dream. It's not a dream that we have in the middle of the night that's only in our brain, only in our mind. 
and that is absolutely not real. We're, we're talking about God's dream, God's dream for each one of us, which is absolutely real. And if we accept it, if we go for it, it impacts who we are and it impacts what God can do through us. And so I, I think what we're talking about these weeks is really huge, these last three weeks and again today, because I can't, it, to me it is hard to imagine when you think of everything that you value in life, anything more important than each one of us becoming everything that God created us to be. I mean, to be able to live a life where you, you're able to maximize what God can do in you and what God can do through you. I, I don't think there's anything better than that. In fact, I'm convinced there's not anything bigger or better than that. And so what we've done with these last three Sundays, and today's the last one, fourth Sunday, We've looked at four key ways that this can happen. And we saw how David points this out to us in four different psalms. We began with Psalm 103, and then we went to Psalm 23, and then last Sunday, Jeff, Psalm 37, and then today I'm going I'm to be talking from Psalm 15. And so very quickly, we began by the, the, the first of these ways is for us to be able to know God. And if you, if you get into, if you read Psalm 103, you'll come away knowing that God is for you, that, that God loves you, passionately loves you, that God, God has absolutely the best plan for your life, that God created you for a purpose, and, and when we live out this purpose, we, there is absolutely nothing better that we can experience in life. And so, you know, Psalm 103, pretty awesome psalm. And, and then there's trusting God. And what we discovered is that for you and I to experience God's dream for our life, it all starts with a decision that we make to trust God. And David wrote about this in Psalm 23, and the whole point of his psalm is stated in the very first, very first sentence, very first thing that he said, where he said, the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. And David is really saying the best thing that any one of us could say about ourselves that he's saying that God, Almighty God, the God who created this universe, is the shepherd of my life. He said, I lack nothing. He said, I have everything that I could possibly need to become everything that God created me to be. And so, wonderful, wonderful psalm, trusting God. And then last Sunday, Jeff looked at Psalm 37. And talked about delighting in God. And, and he, he focused on one verse, verse 4, where we, uh, David made this statement. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what, what just jumped out at me from that when I first read that, that psalm is that it has two D words. Uh, de desire and delight. And what, what we got to understand is that it's not putting our desire first that's going to make it possible for us to maximize what God can do in us and through us. It's very, it's, it, it's very much the other, other word. It's delighting in God that will make this happen. It's loving God. It's wanting to obey God. It's, it's with all of our heart wanting God to be honored through our life that we're going to be able to maximize everything that God can do in us and everything that God can do through us. Which brings us to number four. The fourth key way for us to live out God's dream for our lives. And really, if you think about it, and this is what I just love about putting these four sermons together, 
This last one really is an expression of the first three. There, it's a result of us living out the first three in our life, knowing God, trusting God, and delighting in God. If, if we do these three, it will result in us, and what we're talking about this morning is that we will we'll be walking with God. Now, as I looked at this, I chose Psalm 15 as our scripture today for today because in a, in a very... Uh, concise way it gives us the most complete description that you'll find in scripture of what it means to walk with God and so what I'd like to do is we'll read it and then we'll dig into what David wrote and this incredible experience that we can have with God and so here's what he he begins with a question he said Lord who may dwell in your sanctuary who may live on your holy hill and then he begins to answer he said the one whose walk is blameless who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. And then he finishes with this promise. He said, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Now, again, David began this psalm by asking the most important person uh, question, most important question any person could ever ask and find the answer to. And the question is this, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary who may live on your holy hill. That, what David's really asking is, he's saying, Lord, God, who is it that has allowed the greatest privilege that any person could ever have, the privilege of being able to walk with you? Who God, who God can have that privilege of being able to experience closeness to you and unhindered fellowship with you, to be able to have in the most wonderful way possible a relationship with you. And really, if you think about it, this is the most important question you could ever ask. Because there isn't anything better than this kind of a love relationship with God. Nothing, nothing surpasses unhindered fellowship with the God who created, created us. I mean, really, think about the greatest dream you could possibly have for your life. And there's, hands down, there's nothing greater than this for in this relationship there is peace and there is fulfillment and there is security and there's joy so the question David's asking is huge and I really think it's one for all of us to carefully consider and fortunately fortunately everybody beginning in verse 2 the Spirit of God speaking through David answers this question for us answers David's question and the answer is this he said it's the one whose walk is blameless it's the one it's a man or woman whose walk is blameless and don't misunderstand this he's not talking he's not saying there it's the person who lives the perfect life that's not what he's talking about what he's talking about is living a life of integrity. And so the key word for today is the word integrity. And so David is saying it's the person who lives his or her life with integrity who can experience this kind of 
fellowship, this, this walking with God. So let me, let me give us, it's so important to understand this, let me give us a working definition of the word integrity. Here, here's what it is, all right? It's when your behavior matches your beliefs. So if you write things down, you might write that down. When your behavior matches your beliefs. It's, I like to think of it as an integrated lifestyle. It's when what you say lines up with what you do. It's when your private life matches your public life. It's what you do when nobody else is looking. See, it's different than your reputation. Your reputation is what other people think you are. Your integrity or your lack of integrity is what you really are. And so let me say it again. It's when your behavior matches your beliefs. So the word here is integrity. And David helps us understand how this looks by describing the life of such a person, how they live, the character of this person, what they do and what they do not do. And I, I really think it's a picture any one of us would want to have somebody else describe us as being. And I, I just love this psalm. It's, you've heard me say that Romans chapter 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible, and Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16 are, are a favorite set of verses of mine. I would say Psalm 15 is right up there in my top five set of verses that, that I love, and I memorized them several years ago, and uh, I review them every once in a while to just keep them fresh in my mind. So let's, let's, let's look at each one of these descriptions of what it means to be a man or woman of integrity. Begins, David begins with this statement, it's the one who does what is righteous, okay? If you're a man or woman of integrity, you love to do what's right. You absolutely love it. You want to understand from Scripture the right path for your life, and once you understand it, then everything in you wants to stay on that path. You want to walk on that path. You're not looking for ways to compromise. You don't excuse or rationalize sinful attitudes or behavior in your life. You're, you're not content with good intentions. You expect yourself to act on what you know is right. You read God's word with an open heart, and when the Spirit of God convicts you of sin in your life, you don't just ignore that, but you deal with it. You confess it for the sin it is, and you turn from it. And so when you hear Christ say, uh, which he said, he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When you hear something like that, everything in you with enthusiasm says, that's it. That's exactly the kind of life that I want to live. <laughs> and I'll guarantee you, everybody, live this way and you'll experience unbroken, loving, joyful fellowship with God and there's no limit to what God can do through your life. A man and woman of integrity is also someone who speaks the truth from their heart. At the very core of who you are is an uncompromising commitment to truth. Your word can be trusted. You never say 
less or more than what is factually true. You don't pass on information that's based on, on opinion or hearsay. You do not speak half-truths. You don't exaggerate. You don't fool yourself into thinking that there are levels of truthfulness, that there's something that some people call a little white lie. There's no such thing as that. A lie is a lie. Closely connected to this is David's next description of a man or woman of integrity. He said that they are someone whose uh, tongue, there you go, utters no slander, no slander, and casts no slur on others. If you're, if you're a man or woman of integrity, if you're walking in close fellowship with God, you, you have absolutely no interest in hearing damaging information about another person, and you have even less, less desire to pass that information on to others. You, you see, you know the damage that slander and gossip do, and you want nothing to do with either one. And so when other people look at you, they see you as someone who is safe, someone who can be trusted. Other people know that you're never going to say anything that destroys their reputation. Not in the slightest would you do that. David is saying that people who walk with God do not do that kind of stuff. They don't slander, they don't spread rumors or perpetuate gossip about another person. It's also true, David says, that a person of integrity does no wrong to a neighbor. If you are a man or woman of integrity, you don't, you don't take advantage of or mistreat or harm another person in any way. In fact, the very opposite. You want only the best for others. And, and, and if you can help make that happen, you can be counted on to do it. Do you remember what Jesus said is the second greatest command? said, the first greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then he said, the second is like it. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's very interesting to me that Paul, in the 13th chapter of Romans, in verse 10, said this. He said, love does no harm to its neighbor. It's like he read that psalm. He said, therefore, love is the fulfillment of of the law. I absolutely love David's next description of integrity. It's all about having the right heroes and the right role models for your life. Here, here's what David wrote about this person. He, he said, this person despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord. If you're a man or woman of integrity, if you, if you have a a close, unhindered walk with God, you're going to be the kind of person who respects people, you know, who take God seriously. You respect people who fear God, who, who follow God, who, who are willing to suffer for God, who are willing to be ridiculed for God. You respect people who live each day of their life faithfully for God. See, everybody, who your heroes and role models are really says a lot about who you are. 
When you love God and, and you have a love for God's righteousness, you don't respect wicked people, no matter how rich or talented or powerful they might be. You respect God honoring people. And boy, don't sell your sh yourself short on this, everybody. Every single one of us can have such an impact on the lives of people in our own world, in, in the context of what we deal with on a daily basis. Becky spent this uh, last week with her 89-year-old mother, Norma, um, who is, has cancer, been diagnosed with cancer, and it's very serious. And she just began chemo. Uh, she had a port put in on Thursday and began chemo on the same day. And again, 89-year-old lady. And our daughter Nikki flew in from Seattle to have some time with her grandmother and with Becky. And, and they're, they're sitting at, at the kitchen table at Becky's mom's condo. And she, she says to them, you know, she said, the other day I was feeling sorry for myself. And uh, she said, so I decided to take a walk. And a walk in Minnesota for somebody who's 89 years old is not outside, okay, in the winter. It's inside this condo, and it has a very long hallway. So she's, she tells him, she said, I'm walking down this hallway. And she said, I said to myself, Norma, you've got a bad attitude. You're feeling sorry for yourself. So just stop it. Be thankful for what you got. Isn't that cool? You know, Nikki, I was Nikki uh, when she got back to Seattle, she called me on Friday this week, and she said, she told me this story, and she said, she said, it was so, it's so great to hear Grandma say this, and she said, after I heard her say that, she said, you know, I said to myself, whatever comes into my life, if Grandma can handle it with cancer at 89 years old, I can handle it, you know? Don't underestimate the impact you can have on another person. Um, if you're a person of integrity, it is also true that you keep every commitment you make. You will do whatever you promise to do. You will always keep your word. David said it this way about this person, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. You see, integrity is not based on convenience. It's based on character. If you're a man or woman of integrity, you have the conviction of, of, of character to keep your promises even when it costs you. Your word is always good. You can be counted on to do what you say that you will do. Sir Thomas More lived back in the 1400s and 1500s. He was a senior member of the cabinet, of the king's cabinet in England. And... Uh, he was going to be burned at the stake, which actually happened in 1535, because of a promise he made to stand against Henry VIII when Henry, the king of England, was going to do something that was very wrong. And he had a daughter by the name of Meg. And Meg begged her father to go back on his promise and save himself from death. And at one point, uh, Henry... Uh, uh, Thomas More said to, to his daughter, Megan, and I just love this. He said, when a man takes an oath, he is holding his own self in his hands like water. 
And if he opens his fingers, then he need not hope to find himself again. It's really true. If you're someone who does not keep his promise, really in a certain sense, you're nothing at all. You've, you've lost yourself. You're really, you're really not a true person. You know? So, so important to understand. The final mark of integrity that, that David includes involves money. And he, he writes it this way. He, he said, this, this is someone who lends money to the poor without interest and who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? The, the, the issue here is getting rich at the expense of someone who's defenseless. Whether you're loan sharking, taking advantage of somebody who can't get a loan, a poor person can't get a loan any other way, so you charge them an interest rate that's absolutely crazy, or you accept a bribe to testify against an innocent person. David is saying, if you're a person of integrity, this is something you would never do. That is the lowest of the low. But you know, really, those are only two examples of someone's integrity or lack of integrity in their use of money. I, I'm sure you would agree with me. There are very, very many ways that we could be far less than a, a man or woman of integrity in our, our use of money, what we do. Now, David ends this psalm with the best, best promise you could ever hope to hear, okay? This is what he said. He said, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Never be shaken. What he's talking about there is having a rock-solid life. Having a life that is filled with confidence and security, unhindered fellowship with God. Absolutely the best thing you could, you could want for yourself, okay? So I thought about, well, how does that play out? What, in, in very practical way, ways, what does it mean to have a life that's not shaken by anything? And I thought of, I have three things. Number one, you have a built-in guide. You have a built-in guide. You won't be guessing what to do and what not to do. There, there, there's a great statement about this in the 11th chapter of Proverbs where Solomon, he said this, the integrity of the upright guides them okay the integrity of the upright guides them but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity number two you have constant peace in your heart you know when you put your head on your pillow at night you don't have to worry about being caught for doing something that is wrong you you won't have guilt to keep you awake because you've harmed other people. I mean, isn't it true? Isn't it true? No one lies at bed, in, in bed at night worrying if somebody's going to find out if they did something right. Right? You know, it's only if you did something wrong. Number three, you, you, gain, you gain trust and respect and honor and influence. People will look at you as a model for their own life. They'll want to follow you. They'll want to be like you. And I got to tell you what, when you think about maximizing your life, if you're this kind of person, think of how many other lives you can impact as people want to live the kind of life you've lived. Okay, now, let's bring this home, okay? Let's, let's bring it home. Now, I'd like to ask you a question, and I, it's, it's a question I really want you to think about, 
Okay? And it, I'm, I'm not talking about what you want to be, what you're thinking in your own mind that you want to be. I'm, I, my question has to do with how, your, how, how your actions, how you live your life right now would answer this question. So here's the question, okay? What is your integrity worth? What is your integrity worth to you? What do your actions say that your integrity is worth? What do your actions say that your integrity is worth? Let me give you some examples, okay? Let's say that you lie on your, re you lie on your resume to get a better job. What is your integrity worth? It's worth whatever that job pays. Or it might even be smaller than this, okay? It might be that you embezzled a ream of paper to, from, from work to use in your, in, in your home printer for your own personal use. Then, then your integrity is worth, what it's worth to you is whatever the cost of a ream of paper is, which, by the way, is about five bucks, okay? So that'd be all your integrity is worth, five bucks. Or, or it might be that, that um, um, you falsified an expense report at work. You made a, you made a personal expense look like a, uh, like a business expense. And then what it's worth to you, if that's all it's worth. That's all your integrity is worth. Uh, uh, maybe you exaggerate with your friends to impress other people. You, you say more about yourself than it's really true. Then that's what your integrity is worth to you. Or maybe you're a student and you, you really want to get good grades and so you cheat on an exam or you cheat on a paper, then that's what your integrity is worth to you. So what is your integrity worth? Not what you say that it's worth, but what your life, how you live, says it's worth. Huge, huge question to to ask and answer yourself because how you answer it makes all the difference in your relationship with God. It, it makes all the difference on the impact it has on your own life and the impact that you can have on the lives of other people. There's a great statement about integrity that I think is really quite sobering, actually. And it goes like this. If you have integrity, that's really all that matters. And if you don't have integrity, that's really all that matters. Let me, let me say it again. If you have integrity, that's really all that matters. See, that's all that would need to be said about you. But if you don't have integrity, same thing, that's really all that matters because not anything else could be said that would really mean anything. Okay? It's huge. So here's another question, all right? I'm going to finish with this. What do you do when you realize that you don't have integrity? That you're lacking some aspects of integrity in your life? It might be that you're here today and, and this is all new for you. And, and what you've heard from Psalm 15 has helped you understand how much you need God's forgiveness. And the good news that I have for you this morning is that you can receive God's forgiveness today before you even leave this place. And this can happen if you put your trust in Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, including 
perfect integrity. And when he died on a Roman cross, he took all of God's judgment for your sin and my sin, my lack of integrity and your lack of integrity, took all of that on himself. So you trust in Jesus Christ today, you can have God's forgiveness. Or it might be that what David wrote in Psalm 15, what we've talked about this morning, this is not new information for you. You've read Psalm 15 a lot of times. You know that. You know that, Psalm. You've heard all of this before, but you, you have really never lived it. Never really lived it. Not because you don't want to, but because you haven't had the strength that you need to do it. And so what I would say, what I would say to you this morning that, is that, you know, there's a good chance you've been trying to do this all on your own. And what you need to know is that you can do it through Jesus Christ. You can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. In fact, here's what David said about this in the very next psalm. He said, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You know what, everybody? The way you and I can keep our eyes on Jesus Christ is to get our eyes into Scripture, to get, our, to get ourselves into God's Word. There's absolutely, none of us have the strength to do this in our own strength, but we can do it in the strength and, and the wisdom that God gives us in His Word, but we got to be in that Word every day they, we got to have that discipline, that habit in our life. For every single one of us this morning, I encourage you, and I'm speaking to myself too, and I've done it this last week, to ask God to show you any area of your life where you're lacking integrity. And finally, finally, if you know that you've been faking it with other people, You've been, you've been really living a life of hypocrisy. You've acted like you're one kind of person, but you've lived a different kind of a person. You know, you know what I seriously suggest to you? I seriously suggest that you take off the mask and you be real with those people and you go to them and you apologize to them for being a hypocrite, be acting like you're something that you're not and then begin to rebuild your life and be the kind of person that God would want you to be. The point of all of this, everybody, is that we must not be casual in our relationship with God. The life we live, our walk, must be one of integrity for us to enjoy unhindered, unbroken fellowship with God, to know God's presence and God's power and God's closeness in our lives. And so here we are. Did you know this is the last Sunday in January? We're, we're counting down the days, only six more days in the first month of this year. We'll mark it off of our calendar. And I think we, we'd all agree that before we know it, we're going to be counting down the days until the end of 2015. And the good thing, though, everybody, is that it's new in the, it's still new. It's still a new year. There's still 11 months to go. And the best thing about this for all of us is the opportunity that is still yours to set your sights high on what you want to become and what you want to achieve in your life. It's not too late. You can still dream big dreams for 2015. And you know what? If you do, you know what? I can tell you something. 
when we come to the end of 2015 and we're counting down the days, you then would be able to, you're going to be able to look back on this year and you're going to see how God has done great things in you and God's done some pretty amazing things through you. You know, you can still dream big dreams. So, let's stand together and... Um, I actually wrote out a prayer here this morning that I want to pray because I wanted to say this exactly right. And I'm, I'm praying this for all of us this morning, okay? So let's, man, just be with me on this prayer, okay? And let's pray, okay? God, show us as we confess our sin to you. And I, I just want you right now, just name that sin to God. Confess it to God. Wherever you have not been a man or woman of integrity, whatever that is, right now confess it to God. As we confess our sin to you, we ask for you to forgive us. God, we thank you that your grace is greater than we could ever imagine. That if we confess our sin to you, you are faithful to forgive and cleanse us from all of our sin. God, forgive us for every area of our life that we lack integrity, for every bit of hypocrisy in us. And I pray, God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit indwelling in our hearts, I pray, God, that by your strength, you will lead us, you will lead us into lives of integrity. For your glory and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.